Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome, history friends, patrons all, to the State of the Podcast Address, the 8th of November 2018. I hope you're all doing well, and I hope you're prepared for what's to come over the next few months. Before we jump into the brave craziness that is the Versailles Anniversary Project, I thought it would be a good idea to give you guys a heads up about where I am in my life at this moment, and where the podcast is at this very moment. That's right, it is time for a state of the podcast address. The last time we did one of these was just before we started the Korean War, which is kind of crazy because that means it was over 10 months ago. Yeah, the Korean War is done and dusted now, and I'm very happy with how it went. I understand that not everyone is happy with how it went. If you check the iTunes store at the moment, there is a very unfortunate review there that has just come in. I just noticed that on the on the American iTunes store. So I'm not saying that I'm super bitter or anything. People are entitled to their opinions. But that review kind of just summarizes exactly how I feared people would react to the Korean War. So that's why I'm kind of glad that I've only seen one such response to it. 
you'll you can't really miss it if you go on the American iTunes store. It's right there. It says something like Korean War conspiracy lol, as if like I don't know, it's a big joke or something. But in any case, the person who put this review down obviously didn't listen to any of my arguments. They kind of just heard my conclusion and thought, hey, I disagree with that, so I'm going to lambast you rather than actually try and refute your arguments or provide any evidence to the contrary. They also said this really weird thing that leftist conspiracists would kind of eat it all up. I don't really know what that's supposed to mean. Am I supposed to be a leftist or something? Perhaps I am by his standards, but in any case, what a weird way to start the state of the podcast address. But yes, if you'd like to do me a solid, go on to the iTunes store. Even if you're not American, go on the UK iTunes store, or the Irish one, and give me a nice, new, healthy review. Perhaps after listening to the first few Versailles Anniversary Project episodes, you'll give me a nice, healthy review anyway. But if you weren't going to go and listen to that, then maybe after listening to some episodes of the Korean War, you'll go and do that now. That'd be super, super handy if you would not mind. I should also remind you guys that the best way to support this podcast is by telling people about it. And it's free. You don't have to spend any money, sign up to anything, give your email address, press any buttons. All you have to do is find someone that you know or sort of like, and then from there you can spread the word. Word of mouth is by far the best way, because a personal recommendation given to someone else in person definitely goes a long way. That is how I started listening to several podcasts, which I am now most fond of, from everything from the Art of Wrestling to the Joe Rogan podcast to all sorts of different ones. And of course, there's the personal recommendations from my podcasting buddies. But in any case, this state of the podcasting address today is a kind of jack of all trades. I'm not here to moan about your responses to the Korean War. By and large, I am really, really happy and really grateful with how you guys responded. Even those of you that didn't agree with my conclusions, you were polite, you were gracious, and you were thankful for the content that was given out. And you were also able to admit the same fact which I had uncovered, which is that there is so much more to the Korean War than those two sentences in the textbook we normally get. So yes, a good move all in all. I'm very happy that I did the Korean War. In some ways, it took me out of the way of what I normally do. You haven't seen me do conflicts in the 1950s before. You've never seen me talk about anything, even World War II era, let alone post-World War II era. So it was kind of nice to do something outside of my normal scope. Something completely different, which ended up being quite topical while I was looking at it. There was an awful lot of Korean War stuff that was happening during, well, the first half of 2018, really, wasn't there? There was all that stuff with Trump going to visit smiling, overweight Kim Jong-un or whatever his name is. I keep on calling him Kim Il-sung because I'm so used to calling him that, but obviously that's not his name. Anyway, we are working not with a script here, which is completely wonderful for you guys because it means you get to hear my wonderful rambliest self, but in any case, we are going to keep on going. We have a list of things here. I made a list on my phone just in case I got distracted. So yes, now that we have finished the Korean War, we are moving on to bigger and better things, the Versailles Anniversary Project. If you have missed me talking about this in all the different areas, then make sure to plug yourself into the social media stuff, guys, whether it's following me on Twitter, at WDF Podcast, or looking up the Facebook group or Facebook page. These areas will serve effectively as your kind of schedule for the next few months, Every time there's a new episode releasing in this project, this vast beast of a project, I'll be letting you know through these channels. Of course, I'll just be straight up releasing it, so if you like being surprised, then just do what you're doing anyway. You don't even have to plug into the online media-related things. 
But if connecting with me online and connecting with other history friends is what you like to do, then please do go and do that. It's fun sometimes having people involved in the debate, and I love hearing what you guys are thinking about this. The actual size and scale of the Versailles Anniversary Project is something quite unlike anything I've ever done before. It is an eight-month narrative, which I know we've just done the Korean War, but the Korean War at least had a, well, clear enough beginning, middle, and end, and I had a a different angle to take with it and everything else. The Versailles Anniversary Project and my colleague, uh, Wesley Livesay, in the World War, the Great War podcast, I can't remember the exact name of it, but the History of World War One. It's a, it's a very, very good podcast on the First World War. And he's been going really since 2014, and he admits as well, it was so nice to talk to someone, he admits as well that the Treaty of Versailles is just insane. You look at it, and it looks like something relatively straightforward. Before long, you're going on so many different tangents. It's not even just where do I begin, or where do I stop these tangents. It's kind of like the question of how much context or background is enough before you actually start the story. Now, before I actually started writing the Treaty of Versailles project, the issue I had with it was really where to begin. It was that central issue of where do I start my focus? What angle do I begin with first of all? And as you'll see, it's it's no great spoiler because it's coming out in a few days on Sunday. The angle I'm going with is by taking it from the points of view of the three main protagonists. So that being the American president, Woodrow Wilson, the French premier, George Clemenceau, the British Prime Minister, David Lloyd George. Those three guys are pretty much responsible for what happened, as well as, of course, the Germans, which we will also talk about. But while we will be taking these people as our main focus, with the Germans arguably being a protagonist all of their own, we won't be ignoring the other issues, such as the League of Nations, mandates, oh, jeepers, Arthur Balfour's infamous declaration, all those things that go along with it. We will get into those, everything from Eastern Europe, Poland, of course we can't avoid talking about Poland, knowing us the way we are, but we won't be getting lost in the weeds, hopefully, as much as we normally do, because we won't just be doing it as a, as a kind of chronological story, we'll also be doing it, because it is an anniversary project, we'll be doing it in the same style as we did the July Crisis project, so we'll be doing episodes where we where we say, on this day, etc, etc. Except, obviously, whereas the July Crisis Anniversary Project was about, I think, five and a half or six weeks, that was a big enough beast, the Versailles Anniversary Project is over eight months. So, yeah, there's a bit bit of a difference there in what you are doing and what you're covering. So, I'll be doing my best to try and give those context episodes, those background episodes, in line with the other episodes that trace things that happened on this day 100 years ago. Sometimes it gets a little bit messy. Well, maybe messy is the wrong word. Perhaps over-ambitious is a better term because, yeah, we really won't be leaving anything aside if we can help it. And I know I just said I'll be focusing our narrative as much as possible, but as much as I like to say that, you know what I'm like. Sometimes I find a good story or an anecdote or an issue that I just feel has to be fleshed out more. So we'll be doing that as well. It, the way it should work, hopefully, now my idea of this is, if you want to just follow along as though you're 
following the on this day kind of narrative you can do that but if you'd like more background you can listen to those background context episodes as well make sure to catch the introduction episode there'll be two of them of course because it's just too big a beast not to have two introduction episodes that'll be coming out on monday the first actual episode of this project is coming out on sunday because that's the armistice anniversary and it's kind of crazy that this date is actually upon us i remember looking at this date three or four years ago, just after I finished the July Crisis project, and thinking, yeah, obviously I'm going to have to be doing a series on that too. Because, I mean, what other question is as big and all-consuming as why did the First World War happen? I think you could argue that the second most important question is, what exactly does the Treaty of Versailles mean? Normally followed by the Treaty of Versailles was a horrific mistake, or the Treaty of Versailles was really stupid, or the Treaty of Versailles was really unfair... You know the usual drill, guys. We'll be getting into all those questions as we go along. We'll be assessing how true exactly those criticisms are, how fair the criticisms are of the usual characters. We'll be talking more about this later, but when I was in the States recently, I was even talking to some of my podcasting colleagues about Woodrow Wilson, the very important president and the man responsible, essentially, for the League of Nations coming into being. The awkward fact being for Woodrow Wilson, of course, the very thing that he sought to create didn't in the end end up involving the United States, which was a bit awkward because Britain and France only had gone along with it to appease the Americans, and then they were just left with this League of Nations thing that they didn't really want, for the most part at least, and the Americans were pretty much absent. Anyway, let's not talk too much about that. What we're here to talk about as well, again, is, well, me. Not just the podcast, but also me. I realised that I never actually made a proper announcement about this. So in case you guys were wondering, I have gotten myself another job. In addition to being a super wonderful, very handsome podcaster, I am also now lecturing. That's right, I'm teaching at a university. Well, it's going to be university soon. At the Dublin Institute of Technology, I am currently lecturing in Irish politics every single Friday morning. If you would like to come and sneak in the back... I'm sure that's perfectly illegal, so don't do that. But yes, take my word for it. I am lecturing in Irish politics. I will be doing so next semester as well. And I will also probably be teaching about European Union integration if everything goes according to plan. Which is really cool. I'm getting my teaching chops applied already. The only chops I'm apparently allowed to have because I look really awful with facial hair, according to my wife. I'm just kidding. She didn't say it like that, but you know what I mean. Sometimes people just... There's people who look good with beards. There's two types of people. Homeless people or people who look good with beards. I am neither of those, so I'm going to stay clean-shaven. Or just kind of like exist in this world with a, a nice acceptable smattering of stubble and leave it at that. Well, how, who knew that you signed up for this one listening to the state of the podcast address? I know it's part of my charm to lead you astray with all these ramblings. But yes, we have got a new job in DIT. It's not really new anymore. It's about six weeks old. But sometimes when I announce things on social media and that kind of thing, I realize you guys don't all hear about it. So that's what I'm doing now. I am teaching in a Institute of Technology, which will be coming a university in late December or early December, I think. So that's basically what my other job is. So yes, I kind of am. I'm In a weird way, I'm living the dream that I want to live in several years time where I am a podcaster and also a lecturer. So it's kind of weird that I have my dream almost achieved now. Um, It'd be nice if I can also do this dream later on, except teach in history. Yes, you'll notice the weird thing there. I have a degree in politics, so it's perfectly rational for me to be 
lecturing in politics, if a bit incredible, and I kind of have to pinch myself sometimes. But yeah, we're lecturing in Irish politics, and while I like politics, history is my jam. So hopefully by getting a history PhD, then I'll be able to lecture in history at third level, which has always been my dream, as you guys know if you know me. Speaking of which, you should know we are applying for the PhD in Cambridge. It's something I've been asked several times, so I thought I should just kind of get that out of the way now. Yes, I'm applying for a PhD in Cambridge, but I'm doing it in a different way. I'm doing this thing called the 1-2 option, where you apply to do a master's, and then by applying for that master's, you get in to do the PhD afterwards. The great thing about it is that it still only takes three years. The year that you spend doing the master's counts as your first year of the PhD, so you don't really waste any time, and if everything goes according to plan, then you come out of Cambridge with two degrees. So I'll have a second master's and a PhD, and they'll be from Cambridge, so they'll write that cool Latin thing afterwards when they write your credentials. I think they write Cambrenesis or something, something Latin that's far above my knowledge of languages, which, as you know already, is quite minimal. Anyway, yes, so we have the job and we are applying to Cambridge, just so you all know. So, after having talked about myself, there is one very important thing I also have to talk about, which is to do with myself. As you may or may not be aware, I went to the Sound Education Podcast Conference in Harvard University in Boston, Massachusetts. And what did I think of it? What did I think of the United States of America? Well, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. I really like the American people. The Bostonians that I met were really, really nice. Some of them were very helpful and gracious in explaining to my dum-dum self how the red line in Boston worked, because it took me a long time to uh, really get to grips with that fact, because I'm just used to the dart in Ireland, and that's that. So all these different tube sections kind of confuse my poor, underdeveloped Irish brain sometimes. But in any case, yes, I really loved the American people. They were very nice and very generous. And it was nice to experience a different culture. But after coming home from America effectively broke and not really sure how people in America afford things at all. Seriously, you guys, you buy things and you bring them to the counter and then they add another dollar onto things? I just don't get that. That baffles my mind. And also the whole 20% tip thing and the stress about how much to tip or what to tip or whether you even should tip or if your server deserves a tip. Good lord. I just cannot stand that. I am sorry if this offends people, but I was very happy to come home to Ireland. You guys, you Americans, you lovely American listeners that I have, and I'm very thankful to have... I really appreciate your support, and I really appreciate you kind of welcoming me to your country. I met some really lovely American listeners, some of whom traveled especially to the Sound Education Podcast Conference just to meet me. Huge shout out to Phil, who literally heard about this Sound Education Conference over one of my episodes and traveled that day to meet me and listened to my talk on the 1916 Rising. Speaking of my talk on the 1916 Rising, it went really well. I was put in this random room in this chapel on the third floor in the Harvard Divinity School, and I thought, oh, good grief, the only people here are my wife and myself, and this other listener, Brian, I believe his name was, who followed me here. But sure enough, after a few minutes, coming up to the time when I was about to give the talk, the whole room filled up, and I had about 40 people prepared to listen to me, and it was quite daunting, if I'm honest. I didn't stand behind the podium, the uh, the actual 
projector didn't work, so I was reduced to just showing people the laptop and the slides that I'd made, but where am I going with this? It was a great time. It was a really good experience, and you guys were very gracious in hosting me and in listening to what I had to say. And I realize it's probably easy to talk about Irish history to Americans who are just happy to lap all that stuff up, but my revisionist take on the 1916 Rising has always been something I've been eager to put out there because I think it's an important alternative narrative to the mainstream that we get in Ireland. And my hope is that Americans who do travel over here armed with what I've told them will know that a lot of the stuff that they are told is often not exactly the most truthful or true to the source material, or true to what actually happened at the time. But in any case, it was great to deliver that talk. It only took about 20 minutes. I thought I was going to be on a panel, but unfortunately I was not. That was a bit annoying, and I was a bit miffed about that, to be honest. But hopefully next year, and yes, there is going to be a next year, it looks like sound education is going to be an annual thing now, which could be really cool. It could be really cool to have it as an annual kind of meetup for me and my American listeners and, of course, my Agora podcast buddies. I met pretty much everyone in the Agora podcast network, everyone from Royfield Brown to Tom Daly to Benjamin Jacobs. And I also met some other really cool people as well, including Kevin Stroud, Kristaps from the Eastern Border podcast, CJ from the Dangerous History, Sam from Inward Empire, Trevor from History of Poland, and several others. I might be forgetting them, and I apologize if I am, but it was great to meet you all, and it was so cool to be in the presence of people who are working in their own right to make history thrive in a really big way. Oh yes, of course, Mr. Ray Harris from the History of World War II podcast, and Laszlo Montgomery from the China History Podcast. It was great to meet you two guys as well. And yeah, yeah. What can I say other than the fact that Ray is just an absolute madman and is great crack? If you ever get a chance to meet Ray Harris from the History of World War II podcast, absolutely do so. Bring a beer or two along for the ride. He is an absolute joy to meet in person. I don't remember the last time I laughed so much when being around people who are as equally interested in history as I am. In fact, some of them may even be more nerdy than I am, and that is certainly saying something. We made great plans, all of us, all of us podcast people, to like collaborate more in the future, and it's just so great to see this kind of grassroots kind of movement coming out of all these different people many of whom don't have degrees. They're not employed in this in a professional capacity, but they're doing some incredible work. Kevin Stroud, History of English, he was put on a panel to talk about linguistics and the importance of of English speaking and everything. And uh, it was just so great to see people who have started things themselves being put, not on this pedestal in a negative term, but being rightfully respected as people who are making education more accessible and more interesting and enthralling for people who otherwise... They wouldn't pick up a book and look at linguistics or history of World War II or what 10 American presidents were doing lately or anything like this. But because of the podcasting medium, we are able to reach them and they're able to reach us. And it's it's one of those things that it's only when you see all these people gathered together purely because of the power of podcasting that you realize... I'm doing something really special here. And it, of course, doesn't hurt when people come up to you when you're with your wife and say, are you the Zach Twomley? And yes, that did actually happen. And I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of in awe of the whole thing, to be honest, guys. It was really incredible to be treated that way. And even by some of my own podcasting colleagues were really nice about it too. And I think they just genuinely appreciated the fact that me and Anna had come from Ireland to Harvard 
sat on a seven hour flight, which was pretty enjoyable in itself. Never quite grappled properly with that time difference, even though it's only five hours behind Ireland. But in any case, I really, really enjoyed myself at this podcasting conference. Now, it was a full-on two days, but I would absolutely do it again in a heartbeat. It was fantastic. And if it's something that we can make an annual thing where we actually have organized meetups and everything else, that would be swell too. I should also give a huge shout out to Dan Carlin, who did come as well. And he was really fantastic, guys. You guys know that I don't have, like, the most straightforward relationship with Dan Carlin or perhaps I have no relationship with Dan Carlin but I have an opinion on him which is some people they like him or they really don't like him I'm kind of somewhere in the middle I recognize that the guy has done tremendous work for history podcasting and he's brought it to another level but I also recognize that it would be nice if he collaborated more and kind of brought out the little people like myself more forward to the fore. It was also kind of cool because he was interviewed by Zachary Davis, who also deserves a shout out for basically organizing and incepting the whole concept of a sound education podcast conference. So well done to Zachary Davis, who runs the Ministry of Ideas podcast, and well done to him as well for proposing my question to Dan Carlin, which was kind of surreal. We were all sitting in this big, huge hall, and we were all Uh, given the option to give Dan Carlin questions the night before, so I just simply wrote after Japan, what are you going to do? And knowing that they'd be reading my name out, my podcast name out, I of course wrote my podcast name in very big letters. And sure enough, when Zachary Davis proposed a question to Dan Carlin, he proposed several others, including those from the Reconsider podcast. Huge shout out to Xander and Eric for joining me in the festivities too. But after asking those questions, he proposed my own. And there was this moment in time when Dan Carlin was told about the existence of When Diplomacy Fails podcast. In fact, Zachary Davis even added in the little caveat that this was a great podcast and he should check it out. That is, Dan Carlin should check it out. Now, I'm sure Dan Carlin was probably thinking, what the heck is a diplomacy? What is fails? Who even is Zach Twomley and why should I care? But in that specific moment, I was in Dan Carlin's brain. And that is that is pretty cool. I was also retweeted by him too. And I sound like a bit of a fanboy. It's funny because afterwards people were like, I thought you hated Dan Carlin. Why were you so happy to be mentioned by him? I don't hate him. I just, I wish he would, like, I wish he would do the kind of things we were all doing together. I wish he would kind of be around people and help promote and help share the love of history because history podcasting isn't just about Dan Carlin it's about history it's about the discipline it's about the school and I think Dan Carlin could help spread that word he could help spread the love and the joy if he really wanted to hey maybe he doesn't have time who am I to judge and I'm not going to criticize him I do think he does good work and I do think he is a great gateway drug if you like into podcasting into history podcasting which really does help people kind of find more of us i often see on reddit people asking hey i've finished dan carlin where do i go from here and that's how other recommendations follow so i don't want people to think i'm bitter i still think it was pretty cool that i was mentioned by zachary davis to dan carlin i think that is cool because in many ways he is a podcasting celebrity so i'm happy to have been in his brainwave even just for a small amount of time 
So that was the Sound Education Podcast Conference. Would I go again? Absolutely. Would I recommend that you guys go again? Yes, indeed. If you want to go in 2019, I'll make sure to promote it properly for the next year or so so that we can get something really special going. It would be my absolute dream to get several history friends together all in one go. And it was so great just to have everyone there all in one place to like go for lunch with people whose voices I had heard. We made several jokes that if you were if you were blind all you'd have to do would listen out to your different podcasters and you'd be able to find the right people. It was really cool. And there was even a merch table and I sold some stuff. I sold a book to Royfield Brown and I sold a t-shirt to Ray Harris of History World War II. So it was really, really cool and I'm really, really thankful to everyone for making it happen. Also, huge shout out to my wife for putting up with me and all my nerding out when we were going there and for following me to Boston as well. Overall, we had a good time in America The highlight was by far the Sound Education Podcast Conference. I love American people. They are very, very nice. But the American way is kind of... It's a little... It's it's incredible how different it really is to how people are in Ireland. And let's just say I prefer the way things are in Ireland and leave it at that. So that's really all I can think I need to say. I do want to emphasize that the Versailles Anniversary Project is going to be bigger and more full-on than anything you've probably ever had from When Diplomacy Fails. If you're the kind of person that doesn't really like listening to several episodes a week, it's going to be kind of hard to keep up. But unfortunately, this isn't actually... Actually, this is probably the one time that the whole overloaded schedule isn't actually my fault. You see, in order to cover everything, in order to follow the story, the follow narrative along properly, I have to release several episodes a week. This is the one time when this isn't actually my fault. The people that were doing what they were doing a hundred years ago and making the Treaty of Versailles, they weren't thinking about us following along the story a hundred years later. That's a point I made for the July Crisis Project too. They weren't working hard to make it more straightforward for us and less complex. It was inevitable in 1914 that it would be complex considering everything that was involved. And from 1918 to 19, the story is the exact same, unfortunately. It leaves us in a bit of a quandary because it means that we have to get into things and go amongst the weeds a few times to kind of bring everyone up to speed and give the story the full attention it deserves. Does that mean it's going to be boring or dry? Absolutely not. I am already absolutely deep into this story and I'm fascinated by everything I've come across. You should be aware, not only is this the biggest project I've ever taken on, It'll also, in my view, the best. I think that if this works out the way I want it to, the July Crisis Anniversary Project and the Versailles Anniversary Project will be like the iconic duo of when diplomacy fails as a life cycle. And all being well, if everything goes according to plan, I think I'll look back on this moment and say, do you know what? This was the moment when when diplomacy fails was taken to the next level. I've got big plans for this podcast Obviously, not a day goes by, not a moment goes by, really, when I'm not thinking about how to make When Diplomacy Fails better for the history friends and for history podcasting in general. Even when I'm going to Cambridge, guys, I have things planned. You won't be left in the dark. I will make sure that stuff is there. Provisionally, the plan is to release a 30 Years War series. Remember that? Remember that 30 Years War series that we thought we were going to introduce from May onwards, every other week or something. Well, that didn't exactly pan out, and I am sorry that 
Well, 2018 has been a bit of a messy year for When Diplomacy Fails. We'd planned in one stage to release three separate podcasts all in one go. Poland has not yet lost, the Thirty Years' War, and When Diplomacy Fails as normal. That, on top of the Patreon stuff, means that you guys would have been just so snowed under. And in retrospect, I don't know what I was thinking. But yes, we are taking things back to basics. With the 30 Years War Redone series, we will be very much in tune with an era of history with which, for lots of you, has been your favourite part of When Diplomacy Fells' life cycle. The 30 Years War is still something which people contact me and tell me about. They, it's still something which they say they really, really enjoyed. So I'm very happy to redo it, especially since my OCD senses won't allow me to leave it the way that I left it before. And also, you should know, of course, in case you weren't aware that we are doing a book on the Thirty Years' War, and from that book, the book is kind of serving as the basis of that redone series, the plan being that the book is going to release in June of 2019, the series is going to release in September of 2019, and I'll be starting my Cambridge studies in October of 2019. If everything goes according to plan, then that is what will be happening. In the meantime, The Age of Bismarck will be starting from September as well for patrons at the $5 level and above. If you have been supporting me on Patreon all this time, waiting for that to happen, then thank you so much. In fact, thanks so much for your financial support. I should, of course, mention as well, we have a new Bismarck slot available. One of our very appreciated Bismarcks bowed out after several years of support. So now we have an open spot we have a vacancy so if you would like to become a bismarck and join the high esteemed ranks of when diplomacy fails supporters then please go to patreon.com forward slash when diplomacy fails and check us out i have so much stuff planned for the next few months guys we're going to be releasing new merch we're going to be fixing up the website we're going to be keeping the social media areas very much updated So make sure that you connect through the usual channels. I really appreciate all you guys have done so far. If you would like to show your financial support or love, you can of course make a donation in the usual places. But if you would like to give monthly financial support and receive some extra podcast content in return, there has never been a better time to do so. The Suez Crisis is lighting up the podcast feed and we are having a great time with it. Very soon we'll be releasing some new episodes for that. And I realise, again, I've been kind of falling behind with it. But hopefully, once the Versailles anniversary project begins, you'll understand why that was the case. Alright guys, before we ramble any longer, I think it's time we wrapped this State of the Podcast address up. The next time I'll be releasing one of these State of the Podcast addresses, it'll be after the Versailles anniversary project is done and dusted. Sometime in July 2019, I'd say. It's kind of incredible to think of when diplomacy fails after this gargantuan project has finished, but as a wise friend of mine once said, all time must pass. So this Versailles anniversary project will be finished, it will be taken on, it will be given absolutely everything that I have. And remember, if you know of anyone who would be interested in this kind of thing, if any of them have actually ever asked you, hey, what's the story with the Treaty of Versailles? Then make sure to recommend this podcast to them. It only takes a sec, and is super appreciated. Who knows, maybe I'll even use that 5 euro credit Facebook keep badgering me on about and actually pay for some Facebook ads. Maybe that would be interesting. No matter what happens, guys, 
even if this Versailles anniversary project thing dies on its ass and I fail and fall really far behind, I know you'll love me and I know that I will still love you and love history podcasting. This has been When Diplomacy Fells State of the Podcast Address. My name is Zach Tomley. You are a history friend. Thanks so much for listening and I will be seeing you all soon. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.